Well, good morning, everyone. In 2005, I was at Al-Assad Air Base in Iraq, and it was an old um, Iraqi um, Air Force base that we had taken over, and I was with the first Force Reconnaissance team. And we got a call one afternoon that there was a group of terrorists in a town called Baghdadi that was digging a hole so they could hide some weapons. And so we went out there in our vehicles, and there was a well-known terrorist in the area. And as we went into this little village, we were going from house to house. And we pulled into one house, and usually we just blow the door open, but the door happened to be open. So we're like, okay, we'll walk in there. As we walked into this door, we saw three guys sitting around a TV with some snacks, local snacks in the area, and they were watching Friends and, and, and Farsi. And we had crashed their party, and it ended up being the guy we were looking for, and... Um, but no one likes to feel like they crashed someone's party. And sometimes we could feel like we crashed God's party. And the result of feeling this well at way is this foundational sense of insecurity. And it affects how we love others. And the truth is that God chose you before the foundation of the world, adopted you into his family for the sole purpose of displaying his glory by lavishing his love upon you in Christ for eternity. And when we embrace this truth, when that is fully embraced by us, everything in our life changes. And as Christians, we must remember that our security in Christ's love and reliance on the Holy Spirit empowers us to love others without any fear. And so today, we're going to continue our, our series that we started last week on the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to look at this first aspect of love. So if you're not there, go ahead and turn to 1 John Four, we're going to look at verses 7 through 21. As you're turning there, in Colossians 3.14, we're told, And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So it's appropriate for us to look at love first, for it is the overall grace from which all other virtues or aspect, aspects of the fruit of the Spirit are grown in. And let's face it, we're a society that is obsessed with love. We even made up a holiday, Valentine's Day, which is a total commercial holiday. But anyways, it, it's a, we're obsessed with it. But yet we've been sold this Hollywood version of love, which has left a wave, a wake of broken relationships, frustration, and discouragement. And we've all felt that in some aspects of our life or caused it. Yet godly, fruitful love is a strong, sacrificial affection for a person and their good. Or as one author puts it, love is a holy, abiding, and vigorous spirit which rules the whole man, ever directing him to the humble and loving fulfillment of all his duties to God and man. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to explore this, this fruitful love, this godly love. We're going to look at three aspects of this. And we're going to see how we can apply them to our life as we grow in to Christ's likeness. So let me pray for us. Father, we come to you and we thank you for this time. We thank you that you have sent your Spirit. And Holy Spirit, I call upon you right now to just reveal the things that we do not know. Teach us. Illuminate your Scripture to us. Open our hearts to hear what you have for us. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing we see is Fruitful love is 
transformational. Fruitful love originates from a transformational source. Verse 8 says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. The source of love is God. The fact that we even have a concept of love is not some sort of evolutionary coping mechanism, but is a supernatural manifestation of the triune God, because God is love. God is a trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and God has existed in an eternal love relationship within himself forever. God didn't create us, but create us because he was lonely and he was like, I really need to be loved. Instead, he created us so that he could be glorified as he lavishes his love upon us. He is intrinsically relational, intrinsically loving. He is the source of that love. It's not what he does, it is who he is. We see fruitful love is demonstrated through a transformational Savior. Verse 9 says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. 1 John 3.1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. By faith, we live in this secure, eternal love relationship with the Father in Christ. Now, some of us, that's hard for us to understand that the Father loves us that much because we have baggage. I know for me, my biological father left when I was 10 years old. And this idea of a loving father was really hard for me to grasp. But yet, it's the truth. We're eternally secure by Christ, and we're, we're sealed with our inheritance by the Holy Spirit, and we're secure in that love. We see fruitful love is defined by a transformational gospel in Jesus Christ. Verse 10 says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice, a propitiation, a, a means of appeasing wrath and gaining righteousness for our sins. You know, there's one thing to say you, you, you love someone, and there's another thing to say that, you know, demonstrate that love. My son, who's 20 now, but when he was a teenager, um, I'd have to have these father-son, like, moments with him, where I, you know, I'd, I'd tune him up a little bit. Uh, fathers, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but you have these moments, and he'd, he'd say, I'll, I'll do better, Dad, I'll do better. And then he wouldn't do better. And I was like, you need to show me. And here we have God says, I love you, and then he demonstrates it on the cross. And we have to remember that the gospel is the greatest love story ever. This is the gospel. This is, this is, this is what it is. God, the, the God who is love, the, the triune God who's been in this loving relationship for eternity within himself, creates us. Why? For the very purpose of just lavishing his love upon us and, and being glorified in that. Yet we rejected him. And sin enters in the world. So now he has a problem. God sits there and he says, well, I'm a just God, so I have to punish this, but I'm also perfectly loving, so I have to uphold that. What do I do? So what does he do? What does he do? He sends his only son, the eternal son, steps out of heaven, lives a perfect and righteous life. And then he's nailed to a cross. And see, here's the thing. The physical pain of the cross wasn't what Jesus anguished so much over. It was the emotional and spiritual pain. This is the first time that the eternal son would feel sin and the wrath of the father. And he does that for us. And how do we know that was an acceptable sacrifice? Well, he's resurrected three days later. And when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, 
we receive that love, we are eternally secure, and we have a life that is everlasting in Him. And that's not it. Because one day, everything's going to be restored. There'll be a new heavens and a new earth. And we will actually physically sit there with Jesus, basking in this Trinitarian love forever. That's the greatest love story ever. You can amen that. That sounds good to me. (laughs) So what's the practical implication here? Well, since we're 100% secure in the love of Christ, verse 11 says, we ought to love one another. Not with any kind of flippant love or Hollywood love, but with a supernatural love showed that God showed us in Christ. Now, here's the thing. This is impossible for us to do on our own strength. We need help. That leads me to my second point. Fruitful love is inspirational. Fruitful love is inspirational. We see fruitful love is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Verse 13 says, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. We see love proceeds from the Father to the Son and is manifested through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. This, is, this supernatural love makes no sense and is impossible without the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Verse 7 says, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. My dad recently, my stepdad, who I, when I say my dad, that's my dad, he, he uh, had to have a pacemaker put in. His heart was going all crazy. So he had a, a pacemaker put in, and instantly things started to change. And we see that the inspired love of God is infused into our hearts by the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit, and things change. We have a transformational God, and when he indwells us, things change instantly. We see fruitful love inspired by the Holy Spirit changes the motivation of our hearts. Verse 12 says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. So the question is, is what does this look like? What do these changing of the motivation of our hearts look like? What do these motivational changes look like? Well, we look at 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. It says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now, maybe some of you are sitting here and you're like, I don't do all these things, Brian. We are all works in progress. We're all works in progress. But if you are in Christ and dwelt by his spirit, change will happen. Sometimes it's a little slow. Certain things are a little faster. Some things are a little slower. But here's the thing. If you are indwelt by the Spirit, it will change. Your motivations will change. God promises that. That's what this whole life is about. God is transforming us by the power of his Holy Spirit into the likeness of Christ. And that's another thing. Fruitful love is inspired. That's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Transforms us into Christ's likeness. Verse 16 and 17 says, Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Christ. You see, the Holy Spirit confronts our internal commitment to love others. The thing is, we, we shouldn't just desire, we shouldn't just do acts of love, we should desire to love others. It's, it's sort of like this. A few weeks ago, uh, Eric and I had our wedding anniversary. And 
I planned this trip to Kennebunkport uh, at this Ben breakfast, and I told her. And if I would have told her initially, and, she, and, and she, you know, hey, we're going to Kennebunkport, and we're going to go to this bed and breakfast, and she says, well, that's, that's great. And then if I would have responded, I said, well, I have to. <laughs> like, it, things wouldn't have went over too well, right? Like, the fact was, is I wanted to. I desired to do those things. And so we need to desire to love others well. So how do we grow in this desire? Well, we must rely and be taught by the Holy Spirit. We must cooperate with the Spirit and, and take practical action to grow in love. About a month ago, I got on the scale. Not one of my favorite things to do. I got on the scale, and I gained five pounds. This winter was not good to me. And I said, I need to get back in the gym. So I went to the YMCA. I got a, a YMCA um, membership. And so I went to the gym, and, and that's a pretty good start. I walked in the gym. <laughs> it's all right, go ahead and laugh about that. <laughs> but now I have to work out. And as I work out, I know the desire to work out will increase. But some of us are not even at the gym. Some of us are staring at the treadmill, and we're just contemplating it. We're like, hmm. Some of us are in front of the treadmill, but we need help because we don't know how to do anything. So how do we grow in the love by the Spirit? Here are some things. First, we must saturate our hearts and our minds in the Word of God. There is a connection between basking in the glory of God and growing in Christ-like love. And God's glory is revealed by His Holy Spirit through the reading of His Word. And people that have a low view of Scripture have a low view of Christ and have a low capacity to receive and transmit fruitful love. And so I am going to encourage you to get in the Word every single day. Get into Bible reading groups with people. If you don't know what that feels like, if you're intimidated by reading the Bible, you need to contact me or Pastor John so we can help you in that. Second, we need to be in Christ-honoring, loving, transparent relationships with the people of God. It's important that we are in a small group or um, a, a group of people that keep us accountable. So when we are not loving people as we ought, they're the people in our lives who lovingly come to us and say, knock it off. Or come alongside us and encourage us in the love of Christ. We need to be in that community. It needs to be transparent. It needs to be open. So if you're not in a community like that, I want to encourage you. Reach out. We have plenty of small groups. Thirdly, we must pray and listen intently to the Spirit of God. We must pray that God would give us a supernatural love for people. We must pray for those people that are really hard to love. Right now, there's somebody in your life, I don't know who it is, it might be your kid, it might be your spouse, it might be your coworker, but they're really hard to love. And you're struggling with that. We need to pray for them. And lastly, we need to listen and obey. As you engage with God through scripture and prayer and in community, God will respond. The questions are, will you listen? Will you obey? In 2008, I, uh, I was praying. And as I was praying, 
that year, God really did a work in my heart. And I started developing this love for my biological father. I hadn't spoken to him in years since I was 10. And I started, and I'd always had this chip on my shoulder about him. And, and I always kind of wanted to prove something to him. And I don't even know what I was going to prove or he wasn't even watching, but it made no sense. But nonetheless, in 2008, God started developing this love in me for him. And I'm like, what's going on here, God? Like, this is crazy. And I started praying for him. And then I started resisting it because I know what God was asking me to do was to contact him. And I was like, I'm not contacting that guy. And then I go to this Bible study and they're talking about forgiveness. And I'm like, oh gosh. So I walk out of there. And then I look, listen to a podcast. And this podcast is about this guy who was a, had a, you know, estranged to his father and they come together. And I'm like, enough's enough. So then I go and I say, you know what, I'm going to talk to my wife. You know, hoping that she would be complicit in my in my you know, restraining the Holy Spirit. And so I'm like, yeah, so that's just ridiculous. I shouldn't contact this guy. She's like, you absolutely need to contact him. I'm like, so I contacted him. And we don't have a thriving relationship or anything like that. But it was like something happens. Like the capacity that I had to love, like I finally got, I received love better. Like I had this larger capacity for love, receiving it from God, and then giving love. It was like this vertical and horizontal thing that happened that I can't even explain. And maybe some of you experienced something like this. And here's the thing. We can only obey if we trust and rely on the Holy Spirit and his leading. So the question is, do you trust in the Holy Spirit and where he is leading you right now? Like I said, there's somebody right now you're thinking about. I know you're thinking about them. What is he leading you to do? Lastly, fruitful love is confrontational. Verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. We were confronted in love by God. He took the initiative when we did not deserve it. And therefore, we are called to confront others, take the initiative in love when they don't deserve it. Verse 21 says, and he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. This is not a recommendation. This is a command. We see fruitful love confronts others in love with no fear. Verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. How can we do this without fear? Because it, it is a fearful thing. Well, because we are securely loved for eternity in Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can love fearlessly. We have nothing to lose. There's freedom in the love of Christ. And that freedom is primarily to love others with a fearless love. The fact is, is we can love people like Jesus right now. So what does this look like? What does it look like to love people like Jesus loves others? Well, we see fruitful love makes the tough decisions. In the Garden of Gethsemane, with a blood-soaked brow, our Lord, Lord cried out, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not, not my will, but your will be done. Here's the, here's the situation. God must punish sin because he's perfectly just, but he's perfectly loving, and he, he shows his glory 
in his love. And so what's the only decision that could possibly happen? That is Jesus going to the cross. And this decision to go to the cross was not a popular decision amongst the disciples. If you remember, the disciples are like, don't do that. That's ridiculous. As a matter of fact, Peter's like, oh, no, that's not going to happen. And what does Jesus say? He says, get behind me, Satan. This was not a popular decision, but it was the most loving decision. Making the tough decisions means I love you and I will take the burden of the criticism, the Monday morning quarterbacking criticism that I will receive for your sake, but also for the sake of God because of how much he loves me. We see fruitful love accepts the consequences for speaking truth. John 16, John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus was the truth and spoke the truth, and they nailed him to a cross. I don't know if you've ever seen a lifeguard ever save somebody in a pool or in the ocean before, but when somebody's drowning, they'll grab onto anybody. They'll grab onto someone next to them and drown them. They'll grab onto the lifeguard and drown them. And so I remember looking at a lifeguard saving someone in a pool and having lifeguard training myself. The lifeguard went up there, and this person was flopping around trying to grab people, and the lifeguard had to punch this person in the face to subdue them so that they could save their life and save the lives of others. And I heard someone from the side going, well, that's a real insensitive thing to do. And here's the thing. We are called to love people enough to speak the truth to them, whatever the cost. We're going to receive criticism for that. But here's the thing. Lives are on the line. Biblical truth in our culture will come off insensitive. But the most loving thing we could do to people is give them the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. We also see fruitful love gives, it sacrifices, and forgives at whatever cost. 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Jesus knew the cost for loving us. He knew that it would be his life. And the fact is, we are saved by grace. It's a free gift. And I have to ask you, do you you love others enough to forgive others, extend grace, with or without apologies for the wrong that is done to you? Are you prepared to give it all for the sake of others or the different other? The answer should be yes. I'm willing to risk it all. Because we can fearlessly love because we are secure in Christ and empowered by his spirits. And here's the thing, folks. Let me just throw, throw this out at, at, at you. We were created to love. We were created to love people with the power of the Holy Spirit. We were created to love, and when we love people with a fruitful love, we are doing what we were created to do, and there's joy and satisfaction that has experienced us. We experience this. This is an experienced thing. We might not initially want to do it, but the result is the stirring of the Spirit in our hearts, and we feel this this closeness, this unity, this communion with Christ because we were created to do it. Lastly, we see that fruitful love embraces others in the midst of emotional complexity. Listen, 
Human relationships, they're weird. I don't know how else to put it. You can amen that if you want, because I know you're thinking the same thing. It's, it's weird. Sometimes there's just this emotional stew that is going on, and you're just like, I don't even know how to deal with this. And you avoid people because you don't want to, like, should I talk to them or shouldn't I? I don't know. I don't know what to do. We see in John 21, 15 through 22, Peter has denied Christ, and he's at the lowest point of his life, and Christ is resurrected, and he comes, and he has a discussion with Peter, and he says, do you love me? Do you love me? He says it three times. And then at the end, Jesus tells him, by the way, this is how you're going to die. You're going to die like a really bad death. And what does Peter do? Instead of going, you know what? I'm taking my lumps. Thank you, Jesus. I'm glad. He goes, well, what about John? <laughs> he sticks his foot right back in his mouth. <laughs> Human relationships are weird, but we could confront people during the emotional complexity without fear. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, the one who confronted sin and death and overcame it with love that lives inside of us. So I'm going to encourage you, don't wait. Don't hesitate. It's time to love now with the love of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask Fernando to come up here. And as he makes his way up here, I want you to spend some time in reflection. This is just a time between you and God. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to just reveal the motivations of your heart. Reveal those people that you are really struggling to love. I want you to pray that God would give you the fullness to love others as he loves you. And I want you to pray for wisdom to implement these things in your life. So just spend some time in reflection with just you and God.